bang on the pulpit. <laughs> I'll break the microphone. <clears throat> no, it's lovely. Lovely to be here amongst you guys again, and uh, it, it, as I keep saying, it, it very much like coming home. Um, for those who aren't aware that I used to uh, be the youth, young person's dude, um, pastor, and it's nice to see Sal. You know, we, we used to um, play soccer together in this room. Uh, <laughs> Which would be interesting now, there's no carpet, we used to get carpet burn, but I don't know whether you can get laminated floor burn. Um, and we broke a few windows and all sorts, but they were good times. Um, I'll, just, I'll just start because I want, I want to um, just put my wife in it a little bit. Uh, she had the great idea that um, every time that buzzer beeps that everyone stand up and sit back down again. Um, I. I don't know whether that's a good idea, uh, <clears throat> but it is, it is lovely to be here again. And um, I'll, just, I'll just mention too that uh, in this, um, uh, as you guys are in this process of looking for a new, a new pastor, minister, um, keep in mind that I know, I know that um, there can be that difficulty because I assume if, unless things have dramatically changed, that it wouldn't be a full-time position. Um, but I know that Generate, who provide scripture teachers and chaplains in schools, are desperate for people. So there is the opportunity to possibly contact Generate and see if, if there can be some partnership between Wing Baptist Church and whether it be a scripture teaching role. Or I left uh, Kendall Public School at uh, halfway through Term 1. That's how teachers talk. Uh, we just talk in terms in weeks, um, and they still haven't found someone. You know, they're desperate for chaplains in public schools. So I put that to you, that uh, those who are part of the committee, that um, maybe that's something to explore as well, which may uh, entice the right person, because you can give them more more work. Because I assume you know they have to look after families all the times and things like that. Let me, uh, let me pray before we dive into the scriptures. Lord, just thank you for the opportunity to be together and have a look at your word. And I just pray, Lord God, that we are encouraged. Amen. <laughs> Lord, I, I just, I just um, as, I, as I mentioned, uh, I was at Kendall, but now I'm at the, at the Christian school. I'm feeling a little un under the weather, and so uh, no hugs today. My apologies. Um, and if I'm, really, if I'm really crook tomorrow, I know that Beck can take my five classes yeah. for me. Uh, thanks, Beck. Um, but it's, it's, been, it's been a pleasure to be able to get back uh, teaching biblical studies at a Christian school. And you get some, you get some interesting questions. And I, I don't know, I've got to the point now, it's been 15 years of doing this kind of work, and I don't think there's many questions now I get asked which I haven't been asked before. And so it's, it's nice that you... you get the similar questions and you can you, the, the preparation in answering those questions has, has come and I've got, I've got answers but in saying that every student is different and their circumstances are different but I've lost count of how many times I've been asked why, does God, why doesn't God stop bad things from happening I, I get asked that a lot and I think increasingly so because we now have a generation that are um, craving justice that's what they want 
above all else. They want justice, equal rights for the LGBTQ plus community, for uh, indigenous people, um, okay, in many ways for the environment. Yeah, these are the things that, are, that, that our young people are passionate about and they want justice. Thing is, we have a God that craves justice. And I often say to my students, if you want God to remove and stop all the bad things, then he has to remove you. Because we're the ones who bring the bad things. But we have a God that craves justice, but he's also patient and desires for no one to perish. And I share that because before we get into, I I think there's some great news that we're going to look at today when we look at verses 21 to 31. Um, Paul makes it clear in verses 9 through to 18 that we are all sinners. He doesn't, and he, he really doesn't hold back. If you look at verses 11 through to 18, uh, no one is righteous, not one. No one understands. No one seeks God. We've all turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. Their throats are an open grave. They use their tongues to deceive. The venom of asps is under their lips. Their mouth is full of curse and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. In their paths are ruin and misery. And the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. He doesn't hold back when he explains our position before this holy and righteous God. This is who we are, collectively and individually. And understanding this may not be the starting point for some people in coming to faith, but it is a fundamental truth of genuine faith, that we are sinners. But hallelujah, for verses 21 to 31... Because in here, what we, what we learn is, firstly, that, that righteousness is by grace through faith. Hallelujah. And secondly, therefore, we have no right to boast. We're just not in that position to do so. So first of this idea of righteousness through faith, and I would say by grace. I'm sure there's some of you here, maybe all of us, who have maybe received a gift or an award and thought to ourselves, I don't deserve that. Yeah? We think to ourselves, that's not right. I, I, I feel like I haven't done enough to warrant getting this, this award or this gift. Um, uh, the, us Wileys, uh, uh, well, not so much Daniel, he occasionally helps us out, but the rest of us are very heavily involved with little athletics in Taree. And... Recently, actually, last time I was asked to come and share with you, I double-booked myself, uh, and Trish was really good about it and found someone else. But um, we, we were meant to be in Sydney, which we did go to Sydney, for the New South Wales Little A's Awards. And there was eight awards given out on the night, and Tari was nominated for three of them. And we won three of them. Yeah. One was for the club. The other one was for the coach of the club, which is Jen. And another one was for the Young Volunteer of the Year, which was Lane. 
The thing is, Jen's automatic response in receiving this award was, I don't deserve it. I haven't done enough to earn this. I'm not good enough. That's just my wife. But that, in some way, that should be how we feel towards God's grace. We don't deserve it. But all glory and praise to God for this great gift. Verse 21 says, But now the righteousness of God has been manifest apart from the law through the law, and the prophets bear witness to it. This uh, but now is just Paul making his next point, making it clear that we're all sinners, but there is righteousness now available to us through Jesus Christ. We are made right with God by grace, through faith, and this is not just a New Testament idea. If you continue to read through the book of Romans, you get to chapter 4 where it makes it very clear that even Abraham was made right with God in this same way. It has always been the case. Don't think that people of the Old Testament under the Mosaic Covenant were saved by obeying laws. No salvation and righteousness have always been by God's grace through faith. Because Paul tells us here that the law and the prophets spoke of this salvation. Those in the Old Testament were saved by believing that God had a plan to save us. And in John 8.58 it actually says that Abraham looked forward to Jesus and was glad. Paul goes on in verse 22 to the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction. Where does this righteousness come from? Come from faith in Jesus Christ. And we know now who our Saviour is. The Old Testament was looking forward to his coming. New Testament is hallelujah. We know who it is. And his name is Jesus. And this is available to all. But he reminds us again in verse 23, but all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We're all in that same boat. But we're all saved through this opportunity that we have through faith in Jesus Christ. There is no difference between Jew or Gentile. Gentiles being us. We all fall short, but as verse 24 goes on, and we are justified by his grace as a gift, the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Yes, we all fall short. But we also all justified freely, freely through Jesus Christ. By grace, through faith, our pardoned sin. We are redeemed. We are brought back. By God, through faith in Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross in taking that punishment for our sin. We live in a culture now that does not know 
the basic truths of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I work in a Christian school. We're lucky if 30% of those students know who Jesus Christ is. Majority of the parents at that school don't have faith in Jesus. And it was, it was quite, I was put back on my first day because I'd been working in public schools for a number of years. And then to come back into a Christian school, I thought to myself, oh, it's going to be great to teach Christian kids again about the Word of God. Now, I very quickly had to realize now it's like teaching scripture in a public school, <laughs> some of those classes. But you know what? We also live in a culture that is now honest. No one's pretending anymore. And we can be honest. We can tell people the truth. They may not like it, but that's our job. To preach the gospel of Jesus Christ with gentleness and respect. In verse 25 it says, whom God put forward as a propitiation, I always get that word wrong, by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance he has passed over former sins. See this, this word, propitiation, which is often removed from NIV translations, means to appease or to satisfy. And in this case, Jesus' death has satisfied the offended holiness and wrath of God. It wasn't just that Jesus Christ dying on the cross was the punishment. No, the wrath of God, God's judgment, was placed upon Christ. We can't satisfy God's justice alone. It is only possible through Jesus. Or at least without Jesus, we stand before God on judgment day alone. And what the Bible explains, it doesn't sound like fun. But hallelujah, that we are justified by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. Therefore, we have no right to boast. Was it in that song we just sang at the end? I will not boast in anything. Just continue with uh, this athletic theme because it just pretty much consumes our world. That's the Wileys, that is. We've been watching, what is it, the World Athletics Championships? It goes for like nine days. Who knew athletics could go for so long? But when I was at Kendall, we had a few students that did really well in the, our carnival at the, at the school. And they got through to the next level. And I used to often turn up on Fridays with my little athletics shirt on because I would then go straight from work to little athletics. So they knew I was involved in little A's and they approached me and said, can you coach these students as they go through the carnivals and get further along? And I said, all right, okay. So I put a few lunch times aside and coached these kids and they got, they got past the next level and then the next level and then the next level and they got to state and then 
two of them actually got in like the top eight for state and and then and it was like you know, this is Kendall school of about 200 kids you know and they never had this before these kids doing so well at state and everyone was really excited and I remember I got I got two teacher of the week awards <laughs> you know that's when you've made it I'd actually had a competition going with one of the teachers how many uh, teacher of the week awards we could get and I, I won I won that year um, yeah but uh I remember uh, one of the students gave me a gift card and I got thank you cards for coaching these kids. I know nothing about athletics. I have, I, I have no right to boast about anything because who did I go to to learn how to coach these kids? I went to Jen. Yeah, I went to Jen. Uh, she showed me videos. She told me what to, you know, trying to get them to do the spin when they're doing the discus and like, and even when I filmed them doing the spin. And then I took it home and showed Jen, and she was like, what is that? Like, <laughs> that is the worst spin I've ever seen. But it worked. This, this, for this one particular girl, it was a bit of a dog's breakfast, her spin, but um, she came eighth in the state. But really, it had nothing to do with me. Like, everything to do with Jen and what she had shown me and told me on how to train these kids. You see, we can't boast about our salvation. We can't boast about our righteousness. It's not something that we've earned. It's not a result of our works that we are made right with God. It is by the law of faith, which verse 28 makes really clear. And again, as Paul keeps going, keeps making it clear that we're all in the same boat, Jew and Gentiles alike, we are saved by grace through faith. And if you think you have something to boast about, then just also let me remind you of what Paul says to the church in Ephesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is a gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. This is a continual theme of Paul as he writes his letters to the churches. Now some think that this verse in Ephesians is saying that just the salvation part is the gift. Now I, I can't read the ancient Greek, but I've been trained to to research and study it and know, know what it's saying. And it's this whole statement, the whole process of salvation, which includes through faith. So it's by grace you have been saved through faith. This whole process of salvation, that is the gift from God. Therefore, we can't even boast about our faith. That itself is a gift. And then in response to that, in verse 31, he says, Do we then overthrow the law by this faith? By no means. On the contrary, we uphold the law. Now, we can easily get confused by this. Is he now saying that we ha we're, we're saved by observing the law? No, he's saying in response to this free gift that God has given us, we then want to be obedient, obedient children to our Father. Jesus himself said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. We are to keep the commandments of Christ. And this is what we need to remind ourselves, that we are under a new covenant in Jesus' blood. We must understand that we believe in a God that deals in covenant relationships. We are not Israelites under the Mosaic Covenant. 
In other words, we don't go spilling through the Old Testament trying to figure out how we should live as Christians. Are there some moral precepts in the Old Testament which are repeated in the New, which are instructions for us? Yes. But that law was given to, by God to a particular group of people at a particular time. And you get to get very confused and very overwhelmed if you try and obey the Old Testament law. You spend a lot of time trying to figure out which ones apply to me now and which ones don't. Now we are to obey the laws of Christ, which are unpacked in even greater detail by Peter, Paul, John, those who knew Christ. And when Jesus is asked what's the greatest commandment, he gives the clear instruction that we are to love God and to love others and that all the other commandments hang off those two. But Jesus even gives us more details around this. He says, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another. Now that's not new, but the next bit is, just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. John 13, 34. In other words... Pick up your cross and follow Christ. Paul explains it in this way in Romans 12 verse 1. I appeal to you therefore brothers by the mercy of God to present your bodies as living sacrifices. Holy and and acceptable to God which is your spiritual worship. Yes we come together here collectively to worship. We sing songs. We read the scriptures. We pray. But we are called to be living sacrifices, to put aside ourselves and to put God first. Excuse me. This is worship. Sacrificing our own desires. Putting the desires of God first. We are to lay down our lives. To love God to love others, to serve God, to serve others. But this righteousness, it starts with God's grace through faith. And our response, because we love this God, is to be obedient to his commands. So be encouraged. We have been given this great gift For by grace you have been saved through faith. Therefore, we have no right to boast. But in response, we are obedient. But all glory glory to our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. Because even when it comes to the obedience part, we can't do that alone. The Holy Spirit guides and leads. And as a church... We encourage, we strengthen, we spur each other on to love and good deeds. Hebrews chapter 10. Let me pray for you because we need God's help. Lord, I just thank you so much that you are a good God, that we have salvation in Christ. Thank you that it is a a gift available to us. Thank you that as your children, we know that gift Help us to live it, Father. Help us to live a life that reflects the grace that we have been shown. To live a righteous life in glory to you.
And help us, Lord, to encourage each other, to spur each other on, to meet together, to love each other. So as we go out of this place, we can be a light to the world as we love those that we come in contact with. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you.